He's Scott. He's Lee. And we're here to save the movies. Episode number three. Cats, Cats don't, don't dance. dance. <laughs> I couldn't hold it together. I was so excited about Cats Don't Dance. So, this is an animated feature about uh, cats and living... Animals in Hollywood. Right. Animals in general. Anthropomorphic animals. Right. Living in a human world. (laughs) Or are humans living in an animal world? I mean, there's a lot of animals in this movie. You were blowing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, a young cat goes to Hollywood. To make it big. To try to make it big. um, And runs into some... Frankly, like racist type. Problem. Yeah, it's racist. It's, it's racism. It's, I mean, it's this movie beat Zootopia. Yeah. By I mean, I, I love Zootopia. I think Zootopia is a great movie, but this movie is basically in terms uh, of they beat him to the punch. Right. It's an allegory. I mean, it's, it's. I think you can always do that with animals anyway. You can always have. <laughs> and anytime sure. you have anthropomorphic animals, you're exploring racism in a way, especially if they're in the same world as humans. Right. <laughs> you know. I mean, because animals. I mean, we are dealing with people, and people are pretty much very similar. As opposed to like if someone's like a little tiny mouse or a giant elephant, like and, and we kind of stereotype animals anyway. I mean, this is it's one of the things that kind of bugs me. Is somebody will be like, "Well, you know how like jo- Dobermans are," and I'm like, "I met a lot of Dobermans that aren't like that." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know that dogs are not the most complex animals, but they're not just all in one mold. Right. I mean, you could take the the animals out and replace them with I don't know Ethiopians or something. <laughs> <laughs> this would be like a more serious movie, right. yeah. But, it, but the, the, the yeah, but uh, it's a it's an interesting way of tackling it without getting too heavy handed, sure. and also give you know them, it's still enjoyable for children. <laughs> it's a fun movie, though. Yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. It's very much cartoon. Yeah, it's very all the cartoon tropes are there, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's kind of a spot on like '30s or '40s right. musical. I think it's movie. it's got a lot of cool influences that I think it works together. Um, so I guess we'll talk about the details of it. It was, uh, uh, it started in, uh, was it 94 is what I think our research said or 93, 93, um, by Turner studio, Turner feature animation. It was a Warner brothers division, although it was bought and sold. It was, there's a lot of mergers going on, which is why oops, it kept changing. <laughs> it kept changing, uh, hands and changing, uh, uh, ideas. Although I think in the end it still holds up pretty well. I don't think the changes are real obvious. Yeah. Another movie kind of like, I guess, Deep Blue Sea that had some well, you know, some once, direction changes. Yeah. I mean, that happens a lot with these smaller, I mean, an animated feature especially because you spend years working on it, which is really weird if you think about it. You've been working for three years and someone's like, oh, we're going to change it now. Yeah. Well, that's a weird thing. But I guess that's not idea in the film. You shoot film and then they're like, oh, no, we're not going to have that scene anymore. Well, then why did I spend two weeks shooting it? Yeah. <laughs> It maybe seems like it's a little easier, since it's just more animator type, I guess. <laughs> I have no idea. We'd, so, we'd love an insight into this, right, yeah. this business decision. Uh, and uh, it came and went. Nobody really noticed it. This was like, it came out in 97, finally. Uh, 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 I remember I saw one commercial for it. Literally, a commercial on TV, and it was just, Cats Don't Dance. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, I had never heard of this movie. Yeah. Um, it was not successful. And I discovered it uh, on Cartoon Network maybe like seven years ago uh, when they had like a Saturday night movie and they were like, Cats Don't Dance, I had nothing else to watch. And I'd heard that advertising, so I'll give it a shot. And I really ended up enjoying it quite a bit. So it's actually become one of my my favorite obscure, pretty much one of the most obscure animated movies I love <laughs> that nobody's heard of. Scott hadn't heard of it. And now's your chance to share it with And the now world. this is why this podcast exists. 
It's not just to uh, justify and protect killer clowns, you know. It's also to reach the public these cool, I think, these cool features that get underwritten. Get right. Stuff people miss. Yeah, yeah. And I can't believe you're missing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an obscure one. Um, so I guess we'll talk about our pros and cons on the movie. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, pro, I, uh, I think it's a great, I think it's a really spot on homage to, uh, like the thirties and forties, both in animation and in sort of an homage to screwball comedies of that time. Um, and I think it, it has a lot of really cool influences that it works, but I think those are like what really worked for me. Like, you know, the opening sequence, not to give, you know, you're going to, you probably, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, the opening sequence is exactly that thing where our hero in his enthusiasm is sort of ruining the other character's day, you know, and he gives that bad impression they're going to give, he's going to give to her just for being excited. Right. And it's like that cool sort of romantic, it's sort of that romantic tension you get in a lot of people that kind of messed up. But in this case, it's kind of like she's jaded and he's enthusiastic, but in his enthusiasm, he's kind of stupid. <laughs> Or a careless, and he's kind of clueless. It hits a lot of notes of like forty musicals. Perfect, yeah. Forties musicals, yeah. So uh, I think it just does all those elements, and I think it does them really well. And I have no cons. Uh, the only con is that this movie isn't isn't well known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna say something fairly similar. Um, the it really is um, striking, like how how close it is to being like a forties musical. Um, but I like that they integrated the cartoony part of it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's very much both these things, right? It's right. a 40s musical, and then it's also a goofy cartoon where, you know, the cat's getting smushed between a door or something. It's got <laughs> a lot of physical comedy, which I think is the Warner Brothers influence showing. But and it, I think it kind that of works, works really though. well. I think it works really well, because screwball comedies are kind of like that anyway. But it also makes it distinct to like what Disney was doing at the time. Disney was doing some great stuff, of course. Um but theirs was an t- effort to kind of be a little bit more realistic, like the tone down the slapstick, which makes sense. I mean, that's what they're going for. Right. But I think the the this one, by upplaying the slapstick, especially because it's part of the homage of the time, I think it really it really distinguishes it. It's one of the reasons I enjoy this movie is it's it's very distinct in itself and it feels, I, I like, feels it's unique, like, like Killer Clowns. Killer Clowns is unique, and that's I think what people tend to. People tend to think uniqueness is a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) or a mistake. And I think that this has a really solid, unique feel. Still to the day. Well, okay. Yes. There's a lot of unique garbage. There is. This is is one of those instances where somebody tried something and it felt like it worked. Yeah. And it's it's just combining that cartoony, very much kind of like Warner Brothers cartoon style, right? It felt very Looney Tunes. Mm. But there's also this like musical story going on. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, my con is that I caught some crap from you guys about forgetting who Frank Welker was <laughs> again. <laughs> you guys is me and my wife. Um, if you don't know who Frank Welker is... Uh, don't ever talk uh, about Alex, you, so. you can't... Oh, I, I, one of the cool things about this movie is uh, one of the animators uh, was uh, Lauren Faust, who uh, went on to create uh, the new My Little Pony show, as well as some other things and she's she's i think she's one of the best animators working today and uh so it's kind of you can say i think you can see that a lot of the influence of where she either had working with great people or even her influence on that movie it's really interesting cool but you know scott doesn't know enough about cartoons <laughs> he doesn't know, know enough about, about the art of animation and voice acting oh 
This I will. Well, I'll if, get there. If Frank Welker pops up, <laughs> our next you will movie, know now. <laughs> I'll try to remember who he is. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, he's been in everything. He has been in it. Look, look up his IMDb page, and you will see he is everything all the time. You need a voice actor. It's Frank Welker. All right. All right. So I guess so. that about does it for the first part here. All right. So um, uh, if you want to go watch it, which I recommend. Apparently, it's on YouTube. Yeah, we saw it on YouTube. Um, um, it's definitely worth your time before you come here uh, and listen to us talk about it. Although, if you want to listen to us talk about it, we're not going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, see the movie or stick around. All right. Where the streets are paved with gold, where the kiddies never go. Where the stars don't shine at night They walk around in the broad daylight In Hollywood Three, two, one, spoilers You've been warned <laughs> Spoilers for a movie from 97 Well, nobody saw it Nobody saw it, that's true this isn't like spoilers for. King I mean, Kong like or I was, I was, I was annoyed when I looked at like the number of YouTube plays, and it was only like forty four thousand. I'm like, that does not. What universe are we living in? Nobody appreciates good. I. Art. That's why I'm here. That's why we started this. This is our vision. <laughs> All right. All right. So. All right. So the movie yes. starts. Uh, with uh, like I think one of the things at the beginning that this movie is a lot of times movies are fairy tales at this point. And I think that it starts with that fairy tale opening, which I think works really well. Like it's you know yeah. once upon a time, and there's the prince and so the peasant, a princess <laughs> and the peasant. You know, it sets the stage for right. what you're going to watch, right? Which is kind of a classic cartoon and sort setting. of a classic fairy tale setting about the guy who goes to make his fortune. <laughs> there's the evil queen, in this case, the evil movie star Shirley girl, Temple right? Like. <laughs> you know, the Shirley Darla Dimple, who's the uh, Shirley Temple rip off like if Shirley Temple was evil although we all know Shirley Temple was pretty evil already we already knew that basically yeah basically I mean she went on did some good stuff for the UN and stuff but I know what she was really up to (laughs) yeah she did she went on to become an ambassador and stuff she went on to become like a world famous ambassador oh my goodness did you not know that about Shirley Temple I don't know much about Shirley Temple she had a huge career as an international advocate afterwards oh I know less about Shirley Temple than I know about Frank Walker wow (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess we're gonna do our favorite scene and then least favorite scene. Okay. So I think my favorite has to be the, um, the scene where Max, the um, the butler, for yeah, the henchman, the hum- the yeah, is is wrecking the the animals like potential show for the big boss. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so he's <laughs> he's going in there. On the soundstage, and Darla's dimple is up in the <laughs> rafters, just calling for stuff. Right. Mooring! <laughs> He's just ripping <laughs> the faucets out of their moorings. More wind. <laughs> he causes, like, a hurricane. It's very much an homage, I think, to... Uh... I suppose we should say here that Max is an actual monster. <laughs> he seems like it, because he's just huge. He's cartoonishly huge. Right. Like... He's supposed to be a person, but he's definitely got superhuman strength and abilities. Right. Even for a cartoon, the hyperbole is... They know. I mean, even everyone's afraid of him. (laughs) Like, he's a... uh, And you're right, like, but I like that. She's calling it down, like, the rain and the storm, and it's very much almost like an homage to the 
the queen using her magical powers to summon the storm, and, and in this case, it's special effects except that they get out of hand. Right, and there's a little bit of like Fantasia going on. Yeah, there. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lightning, and he, he summons the he puts the lightning rods together, and <laughs> that was a fun scene. That's a great scene. Uh, well, my favorite scene is the one a little bit before that where she does the uh, musical number about uh, big and loud, how it should be. Uh, you know, if you're gonna do it in Hollywood. Do it big and loud, which I'd like, because then it immediately follows it up where she follows it up that song with the big and loud about how she's going to make them fail big and loud. She's going <laughs> to, and it's got this weird psychedelic imagery of like hearts and pink, which is because that's her thing. She's like hearts and pink, but done in a scary way. Like the cats are running around, like in this in this fantasy of hers, like terrified of all the pink and hearts, and I'm like. That's a great, it's a great juxtaposition, and I think it's a really cool image of her, like, seeing herself as this sort of cute monster out to destroy dreams, which makes her a really terrible person. Like, a truly, I mean, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, they just want to kill you. All right. No, she wants to crush your dreams. (laughs) She's embraced the evilness. I mean, like, I know that she's just this little, like, little movie star person, but, like, there's that part at the end where... He's like in that song, and he's putting like the curlers on the curler hair with electricity and all that. Like, and like even she she laughs, and he like, oh, Max is laughing, and she's just like, "Shut up, Max!" <laughs> it's like the time she drops it because she's either really evil or really happy. But in this case, he's just like, "Screw you!" She just she doesn't even like her butler being happy. <laughs> she can't let Max have a good time. Yeah, Max have a good time. <laughs> Uh, I guess my least favorite scene was the agent one, but I, I'm going to say that even though that's my least favorite, it's still pretty good. It's a good scene. It's just, it's probably the one that's mostly centered on advancing the plot. Yeah, it was just, right. It was focused on that guy right. being a Hollywood agent from the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, but even then, I think it's a really solid scene. And uh, and again, the idea there's an animal agent, you know, <laughs> like right. he's the animal agent for the stars. And... Uh, <laughs> Hey kid, can you say meow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, and it's that meeting point where they, uh, uh, Danny and a Sawyer meet, and and it's that they still don't get along, but he's still clueless the whole time. Which I, so it's still a pretty solid scene, but it's probably the closest this thing gets to a quiet scene, yeah. pacing wise, because it's got a lot of energy, like a screwball comedy, right? Except for the song where she sings a song about like, uh, tell me lies. That's a pretty, that's probably a really quiet moment. Because she yeah, just I sings thought, right. in the rain. I thought that was, you know, the right time for it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And it's a really good scene because it, uh, it it highlights how he's won her over. Like, he's at his lowest moment, and she's kind of, like, been encouraged to finally not give up, which right. I think is really cool. Right, I just picked it because I was going to pick a least favorite yeah. one. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the, it. The whole movie's fairly well-paced. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it is. I sometimes get annoyed by movies that have too much, like, animated movies that have too much motion are too obsessed with motion. In this case, I think it works well with the pacing of this movie, but this movie does also incorporate the the movement well. Like, there's the part where they're talking to um, Wooly Mammoth, you know, and he's in the trailer, and he's just talking. And there's, like, some physical comedy going on, but it's relatively minor. It's just some kind of interesting animation bits without, like, overdoing it, where the trailer's rocking back and forth. Yeah, I guess if there's one complaint I had about the movie, it's very frenetic. Yes. But it kind of fits with the Warner Brothers homage. Yeah. 
And and I like I don't I mind don't, frenetic. I, real complaints, but I don't <laughs> mind frenetic. I don't like frenetic when it feels tacked on. And this one, it always feels like well, part, it never a, gets in the way. Right. It being a cartoon right. makes it fit. Right. And being really a slapstick well. homage makes right. it work really well. And it it never gets in the way too. It never. Maybe it's also because characters don't ever stop just to do something silly. They're usually doing something with the story while something silly is going on. Right. It's just part of the story. Right. Right. You know, it's not like... It's not like outside of the story. Right. It's not like the animators got a note that says, do something silly here. And they were just like, okay, we're going to spend five minutes of looking up each other's butts. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. These animated, these kids watch nowadays with all the swearing. I don't know. What kind of cartoons are you watching? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I guess we'll do the thing we've been doing. Yeah, we'll just talk about the movie just scene by the scene. Movie. Um, uh, what we liked, what we didn't like. It opens up with that musical number, which I really like. Yeah. Because it's so, all about, it encapsulates Danny's personality, his optimism, his joy. Right. He's the naive hayseed coming to Hollywood to make his fortune. Um, and the Steps off the bus. <laughs> he's already ready to sing. There's some good bits in there, too. Yeah. Um, so he's constantly, like, Getting on Sawyer's way. Right. <laughs> he takes her cab at one point. Yeah. Um, like knocks her into a fountain. Much other stuff. So this is establishing. Right. That she's already annoyed with him. And I think this is where his checklist comes out, right? Uh, when he's at the... Uh, um, goes to the uh, agent, he pulls out the checklist. Okay, I guess it was a little... Right, a little later. Because the whole song and dance about how you can make it in Hollywood. <laughs> and then... Then he then they do the part where he goes to the agent, and he's talking to he sees he meets uh, Tilda Tilly the hippo, Tilly, Tilly hippo Cranston the goat. Uh, what's the name of the turtle? I can't remember the name of the turtle. Voiced by Don Knotts. I can't remember. And then and then there's also the hold on. Let me check my notes here. Was it Lee something? Uh, I can't remember now. And then there was uh, Francis Albacore the fish, who uh, was voiced by Betty Lou Gerson, who. Uh, uh, was the voice of Cruella Deville and and uh, Francis Albacore looked quite a bit like Cruella Deville, <laughs> which fits anyway because she's supposed to be like an aging actress, right? So it works really the well. Aging diva, right? Right. Yeah. Who's also a fish? Yes, who's also a fish. <laughs> this is the beginning of um, Sawyer's constantly throwing out lines like "You, you look like a pig." No oh offense. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, Larry, you're so. <laughs> and Larry the pig looks up and goes, "Not taken." <laughs> Was it? Uh, I smell a rat later on. Yeah. Hey! Oh, forget it. This smells fishy. This smells like... What's yeah. that supposed to be? <laughs> We're all terrible animal racists. <laughs> uh, so... Echoes of Zootopia. <laughs> that's right. Echoes of Zootopia. Although, in this case, it's mostly harmless. Zootopia really had some serious racism problems. <laughs> now, in this case, there's racism problems in this movie. But it's mostly the fact that the animals are not allowed to perform in movies. Right. Which, I, I still gotta say, that does remind me nowadays when we're like, well, we can't cast a black guy in this movie. Because then, I mean, it's like even, you know, Doctor Strange has like, oh, we're gonna do Tilda Swinson. It's like, you couldn't put a Tibetan in this movie? You couldn't put like an Asian guy in this movie as the ancient one? Ah, uh, well, it's just better for the international market. So, uh... Avatar was a really egregious oh. instance of that. Um, where... Like, all the heroes were white. <laughs> That's the thing that got me about... <laughs> and then they made all the villains non-white. <laughs> That's the part that got me about... Besides Avatar being a terrible movie. Oh, sure. Just a terribly, like, 
shoddy movie in every step of the way. The fact that you're right that I'm like, well, I know she didn't have a problem putting non non white roles for the villains, but as soon as someone had any kind of like likability, it was like, oh, they're kind of white. It's like, really? So that's sort of this thing. It's kind of like you know, I think his hair dark. <laughs> we'll dye his hair. Because a couple of the heroes in Avatar are like Native Native American type, right? Well, especially in type in, of people, I think. Yeah, well, it's kind of because it's kind of vague, but they're like Inuits, right? And it's Native, different, right? Um, they're definitely <laughs> not supposed to be just white, white, white people. Right. <laughs> so in this case, it's the same thing. There's cats and 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 dogs and animals, and they want to Sawyer came to Hollywood to make it. She didn't make it, which you find out later. And then Tom and Danny's there to to make it, but he's got the basically this this sort of blacklist rule, which, I mean, still applies in a way. Yeah. yeah. So, right. All the other animals, the agency are all, you know, experienced, kind of jaded. They're used to being second banana. <laughs> right. So they're like, all right, we'll just go in the movie. I'll say moo. <laughs> <laughs> Get my paycheck. <laughs> which, again, I mean, that's a really strong, solid metaphor for, I mean, especially in this yes. period, in the, in the, in the 30s slash 40s slash 50s, whenever this movie takes place. That's pretty much... I mean, like, I, oh, yeah. I'll watch a Shirley, if you watch a Shirley Temple movie, you always have, like, a guy who's like, oh, Miss Temple. <laughs> you know, and he's like, he can even be a good character, but he's still oh, got to perform some of that. He's got to perform some of that. Yep. Um, I mean, when you when you, you talk about, like, the closest you can get to, like, breaking those molds is, the one I always think of is, like, Charlie Chan wasn't played by a Chinese man, because that'd be crazy. <laughs> but his son would usually played by an Asian actor. And, and I always liked that. Uh, I watched one recently, and... His son and his daughter were both played by Asian actors, and this is like the you know twenties, thirties, forties, whatever. And and they were both like very American, <laughs> like they were like pop, look out. And I thought that's really unusual. How often do you see that in an old movie? That's kind of unusual. And at one point they even swore in Chinese, which I like. Like they jump and they're like, oh, they say something in Chinese, and then they go back to English. And I was like, that's actually really progressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if that's... Charlie Chan had been played by like a Chinese man. It would have been super progressive because he's a cool dude. He's you. Everyone respects him. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they had to make him be played by you know Peter Houston or something. <laughs> Hear that, Hollywood? We're on to you. <laughs> Cats don't dance has taught us the new. <laughs> My eyes are open. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they give the cat uh, Danny the part in the movie, <laughs> and he gets the script. Right. So the movie is the. Uh, Darla Dimple, <laughs> Shirley Dimple lookalike, is uh, like just putting animals on an arc. <laughs> right. So every animal has one line where they say "woof" yeah. or "meow" or yeah, oink. whatever the animal says. <laughs> and and uh, so yeah, it's, it's got a great, it's great like musical number because it's very much like those old movies. She's right. like like singing, you know, it's old musical from the forties. And I love the light part about like the people were wicked, and they've got like the chorus in the background, which I love. Because it's very much of that era. Oh, oh. And she's singing the song about how God crowned the wicked. <laughs> and then she goes, the animals were innocent. Although some of them drowned too. And you see like two unicorns. <laughs> which is just a great gag. <laughs> and, then, and then she sings about like how she's going to save the animals. And then each of them say something. Right. So they start going around. <laughs> and the pigs say oink. And the dogs say woof. <laughs> So they get to Danny, and he, he says his lines, and kind of keeps going. <laughs> yeah. And in fairness, that is amateur hour. 
<laughs> you you gotta know. But he's trying to impress the director. He's trying, yeah. He's trying and to make it big in Hollywood. And he can't play by the rules because the rules clearly are against him. He's the Rosa Parks of cat it's animal movie parts. Rosa Parks. He can't play by the rules. He's not gonna sit sit by and just meow. He's gonna give it some life. Oh boy. <laughs> In this fictional universe, I'm not saying Rosa Parks is the same as the cartoon cat. <laughs> I'm saying in this universe, this is the cat that's trying to break boundaries. He's trying to make great strides. He's trying to make great strides. For cat kind. For all animals. <laughs> so, so he kind of hams it up and tries to steal the shot. Yeah. And in comes, uh, this is the first time we see Max, I think it might be. Well, we see him a little bit in the prologue. But it's the first time we see the really the scale of yeah, him they don't and show the way he operates. Yeah, yeah. Where so. he, he comes in, yeah. And that, and again, it's very, <laughs> to me, it's very much like a sort of homage to like classic fairy tales. Because it's like, oh, like this terrible, frightening music. Everyone's terrified of this. Basically, this butler is her, her dragon. <laughs> you know? And he just comes in and he's like, something. Smashing everything. Busts right through the wall. Right, busts right. Doesn't even go. He like literally just walks through the wall. And then picks up Danny. He's like, what does the kitty cat say? <laughs> that kind of establishes that Max is going to be the villain of the piece. Yes, he's, he's the dragon. And I always like when he talks, like he almost never opens his mouth all the way. He's always just kind of like his lips just are opening just a little bit. Because I like... Because he's so stoic, in a way. Right. <laughs> he's odd job. Right. Yeah, he's odd like... Oddjob the dragon. That's odd job the dragon. Uh, and that's where you get the mythic aspect of this. So, yeah, he, he talks Danny into just doing the part right. <laughs> Which I like the animation because Danny's, like, shaking. Because he's like, yeah, this guy's terrifying. Right. So, then they, they just cut away from the, the scene... And they did the cartoon stuff where the cat's like completely covered by Max's hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's that huge. he just kind of like squirts him out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the concrete. And there's a hole in the ground. Catchy hole. That's right. So then they cut a little later where the other animals are are making fun of uh, Danny for you know trying because they've kind of had their spirits crushed, so right. they don't want to <laughs> try. And I, you know, I think that's actually a pretty solid scene because. Even uh, uh, Tilly, who's like a really optimistic, positive character, kind of gets in on on that. Well, right. There's some like misery loves company. Right, right. I don't know the right psychological term for yeah. it, but they're they're happy to see him fail. Yeah, right. Because they've all been through some of the same stuff. Right. So they're like, well, this, this is how it is. Yeah. Tough knot, kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, and I want us to pause real quick here and mention that that I mentioned it was done. Uh, Danny's done by Scott Bakula. I don't think we said that. Who uh, does his own singing. Uh, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I think it works really well. Uh, I think he does a good job. And I think he, he brings a lot of enthusiasm to this. Because Danny's all enthusiasm. That's what makes him such a great character. Yes, right. You know, like... can't keep him down for a while. Because there's a quiet moment in this movie afterwards where after he's, after he's learned you can't screw with the system and he's kind of down and Pudge the Penguin comes over and it's like, I, you want to show me how to dance? And at first, Dan, Danny is kind of like, hands in pocket, and he's kind of like, I guess. You know? And he does like one or two, and immediately, like within 20 seconds, he's into it. He loves dancing so much, 
And he starts doing this little dance number with the penguin, Pudge. And it's just like, <laughs> this is why I love this guy. Because his strength is he's not down for very long. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can't crush his dreams no, that easily. not that easily. And the, the dance he's doing with the penguin is the, like, tap dancing. Yeah. I'll, I'll do this, now you do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great homage it's to that. Again, a very 40s and, musical kind of I, thing. And it said, I think it said there was a collaboration with, either, I think Gene Kelly is what it said at the end. And I could see that. Because... Uh, I, I love hmm. Gene Kelly. One day we're going to do Xanadu. <laughs> and part of the reason Xanadu works for me so strongly is because Gene Kelly, he's an older man in that movie. He doesn't have nearly as much energy, but he's still awesome. He's still awesome in that movie. And it's like, you can tell he's just like, I'm just so happy to be dancing. So that's what Danny embodies. Danny the cat. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And then they remember they hear the... The other animals, they hear the music somewhere. Where do they hear the music? In the alley? No, it's in the studio, I think. I can't remember because um, they so... hear, hear the music. Because he's like, where's that music coming from? Because first you think it's just the musical they're, music they're hearing when they're dancing. Right. They transition into somebody playing the piano on the back. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a uh, Woola. Woolly. Yeah. Yeah. The elephant. Um, so they go, and it's on the studio somewhere. They go find his little trailer where he apparently is. I, I guess it's his trailer. Yeah, it's where he lives when he because he because his whole role in the, in the movies <laughs> is instead of apparently in this universe instead of just shooting it once every time they need to open up with mammoth pictures he does the the shots he sticks his head into the crowd right. and and blows his trumpet horn put on some fake tusks put on some fake tusks which I I actually like that a lot because again I think that's a metaphor for like the expectations. Versus the reality. Right. It's like, it's not enough for him to be an elephant. He has to be the right kind of elephant. They have to put the elephant makeup on him, too. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which, uh, all right, we'll stay out of the heavy racism. For no, but stuff. I mean, but I think that a lot of those stuff, I mean, yeah, you don't get too, we're not, I don't think it's going to, you know, break any barriers. But I think a lot of this stuff is true. A lot of this metaphor really applies. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very insightful. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and that's when they learn, Danny learns that. Uh, all the animals came and, and tried but couldn't make it in Hollywood, except as bit part actors. Right. So he comes up with a crazy scheme. Because that's Danny. <laughs> to to um, do a performance for the head of the studio. Um, I forget what his name is. LB... Ma- LB Mammoth, I think Mammoth. is his name. I think his name is... <laughs> and he's just, of course, an absurd cartoonish right, he's representation like... of a studio. Right, right. Uh, and... Uh... Well, because they do the musical number, because Danny gets the, the animals like to do a musical number, which is pretty cool. It's right. got that, like, because uh, the way it's shot, I like the way it's shot, where it's all gray, and then when they start getting into it, they start getting color. It's yeah. a really cool, like, sequence. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not a subtle metaphor, but it's a great metaphor. You know, you'll see, like, oh, they're getting into it. It's cool. And uh, so he talks them into doing it. So they're going to, and then... Uh, Darla hears overhears this plan, and because Darla's a, she's ruthless. She invites Danny in, right? And and there's this great scene of her being like, I like to call it like, cutely passive aggressive, where she's like trying to lure him into like suggesting that she set up the audition, <laughs> and also she's like animal cracker, and she keeps biting the heads off the animal crackers, <laughs> like with this cute smile, just throwing the bodies right and throw the bodies at Danny, which I think is. <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's pretty good. And, uh, and then she sings the, the, you know, about baking it big and loud. And then, and then she, she talks like, she's so Danny. She gets, like, there's that shot, that shot where she's trying to get Danny to suggest it. Cause she doesn't want to come out and suggest it. Make it seem like his idea. 
And she's like staring at him and her eyes just twitching. (laughs) She's going, are you sure there's nothing you need? (laughs) He's like, no, I'm good. And that like, that, 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 like her character is so well animated to me because it's like, she's always got this sort of like either ridiculous cuteness or threatening cuteness. (laughs) It's like, I don't know about you, but I've known people in my life who I'm just like, I don't trust that guy. Why does everybody like that guy? And it's because everyone's like, but he's so charming. I'm like, yeah, but he's not really. Yeah, he's too slick. There's sli- he's slick. <laughs> That's who Darla is. This is Darla Dimple. <laughs> She's a little too polished. <laughs> right. And the veneer falls away very quickly. <laughs> Here's what I want. I want Darla Dimple to be a new phrase for somebody who's too slick. <laughs> right now. <laughs> we'll be hanging out somewhere, and Scott will be like, guy's a real Darla Dimple. And I'm like, oh, he is. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. We'll see if we can make that a thing. That, you know, I, I just like that idea. Because that's what she is, and she's it's a really it's really spot on. Cause, and it's, it's broad animation, but it's subtle. Because, you know, making her look both cute and dangerous is... I mean, because there are times when they make her genuinely look sinister. And there are times when they make her look cute, and there's times when they do in between, and it works really well. Yeah, it's well animated. Um, she feels a little like Cruella Deville. <laughs> I know we mentioned that that voice yeah, yeah, is yeah. playing somebody else, except you know she doesn't want a puppy coat for no reason. <laughs> she has more of a. To be fair, she's less of a weirdo than Cruella Deville. Right. She's got a real motivation. Like, I just got to skin an animal. Because yeah, because there's that part where it's like she's like, I didn't get. She sings that I didn't get where I was today. By letting anybody, and she's like, she doesn't. She to be fair, she's not just discriminating against animals. She doesn't like anybody. She's like, no man, nobody's gonna get in my yeah, way. Yeah. Nobody's gonna steal my thunder, right? And she's so so in that way. I kind of, in a weird way, it suddenly I have some kind of sympathy for her, kind of like the queen, where it's like, I'm the most beautiful. This is my role, and now you're taking it. You know, yeah. like Snow White. It's sort of the same way. It's like, this is friggin' Hollywood. I fought up here. No cat's gonna come <laughs> in a week. <laughs> Oh, I love his checklist. <laughs> yeah, his checklist. Uh, I think after the um, after the disaster of his first performance, he says, "Well, this is gonna be, put me back." In oh the yeah, day. <laughs> maybe half a day. <laughs> <laughs> and so they do the audition. And that's when the the scene comes up where they're all in the ark preparing, and it's supposed to be like the rain. Yeah. So the idea is that they're gonna um, come out and put a, a performance on for. LB Mammoth (laughs) head of the studio but um, so they're in the arc ready to to put on this performance and um, Darla Dimple comes along and starts you know sabotaging right she basically she basically does her her magic witch thing and this is special effects magic witch it's what it is and this is more of a cartoony part of the movie yeah 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 yeah, definitely uh uh, basically, they've they've flooded the studio, right? And there's so much water because, especially because when they open the doors, like the waters that come out right away. Only <laughs> <laughs> Mammoth and his assistant are just standing there looking at it, going, oh. <laughs> yeah, and it goes flooding out, and then and I like it's got some good like uh, gags where it's like uh, what well, looks goes like behind a building. Oh, that's right, people are running from it. Oh, the other water is like what well, looks like a tidal wave. It's really just a special effect. <laughs> And I think there's some good interplay with, like, uh, Sawyer and Danny, where they're fighting over steering the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, like, 
at first they're fighting over who wants to steer it, and then they're fighting over who should ste- who doesn't want to steer it. It's kind of like <laughs> it's like that that conflict with them. So yeah, and then they Very... cr- <laughs> Abbott and Costello yeah. type of. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna drive. You drive. <laughs> and then uh, of course they the the this the ship it's a disaster, <laughs> literally a disaster. <laughs> and and, and uh, then Darla kind of I, I love like Darla doesn't even hide it. Like she comes over afterwards and is just like, "Oh, well, it was a pleasure working with you, Daddy." <laughs> And it, the Gildy Animals are like, I can't believe you trusted Darla. And I'm like, well, that's what Danny's strength is. He's so optimistic. He doesn't see the worst. He wants to be believed in people. Right. He believes in himself. He believes in other people. It's a nice thing about it. Right. Some people might call that naive. They'd be right. <laughs> but it's also his strength. Right. And if you're going to be fooled by Darla Dimple, I mean, that's her whole job is fooling people. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's sure. your whole job. Big, big Hollywood actress. Right. Hollywood must be full of actual people like this. I assume <laughs> There must be like, because you see a movie and you're like, oh, I like that guy. But if you met him, he'd be like, what a darling dimple. <laughs> he'd sell me for one thin dime. <laughs> right. He's like, I really love your vision. Get out of here. Don't let him on the set again. <laughs> if he calls his giant monster butler on me, I'm calling it quits. I'm not as strong as Danny. That's not not how you make it in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> not as soon as the monster butler shows up, I'm running for it. Oh goodness! All right, and then uh, so that's like their lowest moment. This is really their low moment, right? Like, this is the dark part of the movie, right? Because Danny's given up because he's sorry he messed everybody's life up. They're already kind of given up, so they are kind of just don't like him, right? He got their hopes up with this this performance, and then. You know, it all went to crap. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, now, now they're kind of angry at him. Right. Which they should be. I mean, sure. it's tough. It's tough when you give somebody hope and then they screw it up. You know, because it's like, uh, I've, I've settled into a nice malaise. <laughs> and you, you screwed it up. <laughs> I was content with my crappy animal acting job. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and what I like is this is juxtaposed uh, a little bit of their meeting of their of the arcs between Danny and... Although Danny doesn't really lose his arc, but this is his moment, his lowest moment, and where Sawyer, the cat who has been given, she's given up, she sings that song about like, yeah, it kind of sucked, but you know, right? For you know, she's maybe I'm wrong for giving up. He's he's reached her. He's reached her. <laughs> so she's starting to come around. Well, he's going um, down. Right. Well, he's like waiting for the bus to go back to small town, Indianapolis, which is a good scene. He gets on the bus, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> Um, Remember in Indiana because it's like Kokomo, <laughs> Nebraska, uh, Indiana. Whatever, <laughs> she doesn't care. Charlie Dimple doesn't care where you're from. Yeah, Ooh. she keeps getting his name wrong. That's right. And that, by the Good way, luck, Donnie. By the way, I don't think that's because she doesn't know his name. That's just her being a jerk. It's a Darla Dimple. Move. That's a Darla Dimple move. It's power move. <laughs> So there's there's a moment where you think that Sawyer's going to go stop Danny yeah. from getting on the bus, but she misses him. <laughs> right. So he's on the bus back to Kokomo. <laughs> right. And then the bus drivers, this is a good scene. It's like, it's a, the bus driver's talking to him about like, you know, know your place. What are these animals trying? Again, this is a pretty solid yeah. racism metaphor oh, yeah. and, and it works really well. And, uh, and Danny is like, he's not going to give up. Right. So he stops the bus, and what's the what's the guy the guy say? He's like, "Well, oh, but you just you just got here. Like, why are you stopping the bus? You just got here." He and said, uh, "We're just getting started. We're just getting started, or something." 
And that's when Danny's like, yeah, because he's just, he just started. <laughs> yeah, you're it's right. A, yeah, it's a, so they hatch a plan, and you see him talk to Pudge, and you can tell the plan's going to work because you can't hear it. <laughs> that's the rule. You know the rule, right, Scott? I'm, I'm familiar with this, this rule All right. in particular. If, if, you hear the, if you hear the plan, it's not going to work perfectly. If you don't hear the plan, it will work. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so he sends out an invite with Pudge. Yeah, he, tri- he basically... Tricks everybody to come to the premiere of Archangel? Little, Little Archangel. <laughs> called. Little Archangel, which was filmed in a week, apparently. So messed up. That's why, you know, if you think about it, like, Dan- Danny's plan to just, like, become a major Hollywood star in a week. Well, in a world where you can make a major Hollywood movie in a week. Sure. That's probably a reasonable amount of time. That may be closer to accurate in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Where you just dance till your feet bleed. That's true. <laughs> that's the director's cut of Cats Don't Dance. <laughs> more, Danny! More! <laughs> this is what you wanted! <laughs> oh, my bones. <laughs> Charlie Dimple's like, I tried to warn you. <laughs> so de- depression work ethic. <laughs> the unauthorized sequel to Cats Don't Dance. Cats wish they didn't dance. <laughs> <laughs> Cats die tragically. Oh <laughs> my god. He's popped up on, on meth or something. I don't know. What, what did they use back in the 40s? Opium? I don't know. <laughs> Totally destroys. That's a classic. The sequel, the sequel to Can't Stop Dance. Thank God they didn't make it because it would totally make you feel like, well, we were. <laughs> you used to believe in something, Danny. I guess so. <laughs> He's just constantly drinking laudanum. Drinking laudanum. <laughs> Poor Danny. Wow, I'm glad. This went down a dark path, man. Yeah. <laughs> What were we talking about? <laughs> so they go to the premiere. They get the animals to okay. go to the premiere. By the way, Sawyer's the one who kind of figures out what it is. She gets the premiere invitation and she kind of does some... The other yeah. ones kind of, I guess they just go because they've got no other plans. <laughs> but Sawyer smiles and she knows. So then they go to the movie. They have a cool homage of like actors. I like I like a lot of the caricatures. That's sort of a classic uh, Warner Brothers homage. Like yeah, I did mention that. Like You have Jimmy Durante at one point. Oh, yeah. Uh, Betty Davis. Joan Crawford, uh, Clark. All the kids, all the kids loved that. And that was in '97. All the kids loved Clark Gable. Clark Gable references. <laughs> I'm gonna, I know uh, Laurel and Hardy. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, they were in uh, the in the beginning of the scene when he's singing and dancing at the like about he's gonna make it in Hollywood. He walks past and there's a part where there's a uh, uh, Mae West in uh, Laurel and Hardy. So that's that's more like the twenties, thirties. Yeah, a bunch of period actors. Yeah, like, yeah. close enough. For, yeah, close enough for it's your mythic. modern audience. It's, mythic. <laughs> it's all the same. I'm not worried about the historical accuracy about the cat dancing movie. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> we all know that it, it took cats. We all know that it took animal actors many more decades to really make progress in Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood true story. Uh, uh. So their plan is to uh, put on a show after the, but they well, they're not right. They're not even going to interrupt the movie. No, they're just going to wait till it's done because he's polite, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I think is like a a good move. Right? Yeah, well, no, because Darla probably wouldn't take that very well. Right, interrupting yeah. the movie would have gotten them all arrested. Right, or and it would have been rude. 
And then what? And then a like the the visual gag where they're about to drop a symbol. Pudge is about to drop a symbol, and they catch it. But then Pudge like strains <laughs> his bow tie and it snaps. And they cut to uh, Max, and Max is here just like. <laughs> Max, voiced by the uh, director uh, Mark Dindle, uh, who uh, also directed Emperor's New Groove, which I like. I think is a very slapsticky movie that I almost didn't. I saw in theaters, but I almost didn't see because I wasn't that interested in it. It actually became one of my favorite like comedies. It's just this. Yeah, it's not a typical Disney movie. No, it's a really goofy kind of silly movie, but like in a smart way. Yeah, and this is the first thing he directed, I believe. Uh, I think so. He did some other things. He did some special effects for like Little Mermaid and some other projects. Right. So, and uh, so Max grabs Pudge <laughs> and <laughs> static electricity him to the roof. <laughs> it's another one of those really good physical gags. Yeah, it's really well done. This is definitely, you can see the Warner Brothers influence because they've always had the great gags. Yeah. So he takes Pudge and rubs his head on his <laughs> yeah. head, on his own head. Yeah. So it gets static electricity, like charged, and it just. Stick him really, on the ceiling. Right, it's really, it's really well done because it's, it's, it, the timing's really, really good on it because it really is like, dude, it's this sinister moment, and it's just like, boink, boink, and then Danny. So he's chasing Danny around after chasing that. Chasing Danny very somehow, he's destroying the back of this movie theater without anybody noticing. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, just a couple of walls. That's true. Well, there's a big Darla Dimple song going on, so you know. <laughs> and uh, that is kind of funny. After they went to all the trouble to not I know. make any noise back there, <laughs> and then uh, and it's a great scene. It's like it's it's pretty fun. Where it's like uh, he smashes the roof, and he's chasing Danny, and he knocks Danny off the roof. Yeah, and then, it, and then there's the big Darla Dimple balloon. <laughs> Very Rocketeer. <laughs> Your dirigible showdown. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Hadn't thought of it that way, but sure. Well, that's that's what I do. Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's a bit of a chase scene there. Yeah, I like the and part where it's like he's chasing him around the balloon, but he's like clinging to the balloon, Max. So when Danny runs around, like the balloon's spinning, he ends up running into Max directly. <laughs> I kept expecting him to like come out with claws. Yeah, claws he never has claws, yeah. I never... No. I never bother with that. You think about it. <laughs> that makes you a cat racist. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe he's declawed. Maybe maybe he's that's the secret uh, his parents named. did it to him when he was a kid because they tried to make him fit in. Because <laughs> you're right, like there's a part where he's clinging to uh, the balloon and I thought maybe, I mean, his claws might come out. But no, they never come out. Yeah, I don't know if right. I want to see him like, I thought he was like, slash over Max's face, blood spewing everywhere. No. <laughs> well, I thought he just popped the balloon. <laughs> right, right. But the balloon gets popped with uh, Max on it, yeah. At some point, right? Because uh, it's uh, I think this is ground. Isn't this Chinese groundman's Chinese Chinese theater? Is it supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be that. I think so because it like it's that. got the. If it's not, it's supposed to be approximation because it's got all the the uh, signatures. Yep. In the, the and uh, outside. Yeah, and so like yeah, it's like one of the spires. The point's about to break the uh, Tarla's nose. Right, and Danny has a good moment there. That's right. He's like, cat's uh... <laughs> Meow. Then he pops it. Max is gone. <laughs> Max is conveniently disposed of. For Thank the you, of the... yes. <laughs> rest of the picture. Um, so they go back in, the movie's over, um, and Danny's all beat up. <laughs> right, right. Max, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's he's talking to the audience, and they're not receptive at first, but, you know. 
Well, but this is the part where I, I actually Oops. like it is he uses uh, Darla's own PR against her. Right. You know, because he like, uses her image, which to me is very classic. <laughs> it's like your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. Because, like, they keep showing her being like, hmm. And then, like, the ca- the spotlight falls on her and she's like, eh. <laughs> she's like, smiles. And she's all happy. Well, really? You know? <laughs> And then it's like the you know, whenever the spotlight gets away from her, she's just kind of like fuming in the shadows, which is a great metaphor for her whole life. Is that she's this monster in the shadows, but when the when the spotlight's on her, she's America's sweetheart. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good scene. Yeah, and um, uh, she's barely containing her rage. <laughs> um, so there's a moment there where he's not sure his friends are going to show up, right? Because they're not where they were sitting, right? In the first part of the movie. Um, but you know, ultimately show up. Well, then the joke, I like the joke about like Sawyer has been convinced and Tilly, but the other ones haven't been convinced yet. And so right. Tilly's got like, an, <laughs> like the, the other animals in an arm lock, like headlocks forcing him, which fits. I mean, it's like the, the characters well, cause it's like, yeah, Tilly will probably believe in it cause she's kind of optimistic and, and Sawyer's been converted, but the other ones are still kind of giving up and hope and all that. Right. And, we, uh, we're not doing this again. <laughs> right. Right. They've already had it go badly one time. And so this scene happens, which is actually, I think, a really cute scene because I think it, it's, it, it doesn't have uh, Darla get in the way of the scene. And she tried to pull the same thing she did before, but instead she ends up making it more spectacular, <laughs> which I like. She's trying to sabotage their music number. And every uh, time. By, you know, flipping switches and just mm-hmm. dropping stuff. And it's all kind of fitting together. Yeah. With, with the numbers, so. Fitting really well, like she's throwing like light bulbs down to hit them and put since they're in the middle of a dance number they're not getting hit instead of just like all these cool flashes are going around right. sparkles <laughs> and there's a great cartoony bit um with like the the big switch oh yeah the, the, the giant switch up the top that's it's right just... and she scales then like she's all in her madness <laughs> as, like her finally her schemes are coming undone right she pulls the giant switch and it's like a battleship or something <laughs> and like airplanes <laughs> jets fireworks explode in the audience <laughs> which is that cool that cool moment because it's like there's like you, they show you the outside of the theater and then you don't hear anything and then you just hear <laughs> you see like the fireworks go off and you can hear the music again right the roof comes up yeah, for a second <laughs> that, that, they literally raise the roof <laughs> anyway and it's, uh it's a happy ending yeah and then and then she darla comes out and she gets exposed to herself that she sabotaged the animals so she's done because that's her power. Without without her, once she's been exposed, she's done. And uh, and then they cut to the animals are going to make it, and it's real short. They uh, Sawyer checks off his list about getting the girl, <laughs> which he didn't have on there. And uh, and then they just cut to like the movie posters of the animals, like in movies. Yeah. So um, the the big uh, owner of the studio comes up and he's he's into it. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'm make it. you guys stars. Right. And then they start going through right <laughs> movie posters from around that time frame, and then they go farther. Yeah, because right. the beginning is kind of like singing in the rain in Casablanca. I think they should. If I was going to have one picky with this movie, it would be that it's a cute gag to have them doing modern movies, but I think it should have all been period movies. Yeah, I if agree. I had one picky, I like the gags enough. They're but not, I'm like, they're not any older. <laughs> the other movies. right? It's like, why were they the mask? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it's a cute gag, but but uh, yeah. uh, it's not a deal breaker. But that would be my only pick. So go back in time 
And I'll put that on my con list. <laughs> I'm glad you have something. Finally. <laughs> glad we could figure something out here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It's no, 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 no. Weird, absurd cartoon. <laughs> logic. I don't expect too much from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird logic. Um, so any uh, final thoughts here? I mean, I, I really, like I said, I obviously brought this attention, this movie to Scott's attention. <laughs> um, and this really is, like, when we did Killer Clowns, most people have heard of Killer Clowns. May not have seen it, may not appreciate it, but they've heard of it. Most people, I think, have heard of Deep Blue Sea, at least. You know, they'll be like, is that that shark movie? But I think Cats Don't Dance is really obscure, and, and I think if this brings even some, you know, ten people to go watch it, I'm happy. Because I think it's a really solid, and I think it's an underrated movie. And I think it came out of the wrong period. I think it, um, uh, I think some of the aspects of animation, this was quite, this wasn't quite when I think the animation ghetto was broken. When it was still considered sort of a secondary, less less important film medium, um, it's a medium, not a genre, and uh, uh, and I think this is so. I think you know, I'm not saying this movie would have done well because it's really hard when you're when you're doing something like based so much on period piece to get people to understand it because I don't think people pay attention that much. I mean, maybe that's maybe I'm just being a jerk, <laughs> but. Uh, so I just think it's a great movie, and I I enjoy it every time I watch it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a very good movie. Um, I think it is a victim of its time. If it had come out, I don't know, five, seven years later, probably would have done better. I feel like I, I had never heard of this movie. <laughs> I still think there's an interesting aspect of... Uh, I don't think animated comedies get nearly enough respect. Uh, because if they're... Partly because I think Slapstick doesn't get a lot of respect anymore. Um, because like, um, I really liked the Penguins of Madagascar. Now that I don't think is as good a movie as this because this movie has a really solid plot, I feel like, but the Penguins of Madagascar is a really funny slapstick, goofy movie. And some people will watch it and be like, oh, it's, it's just stupid. I'm like, well, no, it's stupid. Like Naked Gun, stupid. It's, it's got like really smart gags if you're paying attention. Um, and so I think that would have hurt this one a little bit too, is I think like for a long time, even now I still feel like, like I, today I. Uh, when we're recording this today, I saw Kubo and the Two Strings, which I really liked. I think it's a, a really oh, great yeah? movie. But there's also no denying that, like, like uh, the studio, kind of gets its its <laughs> credibility by making serious movies that avoid certain aspects of of humor. Now, I don't think that's bad. I think they do great stories. But uh, you know, there's that question of would they be? Res- I think that if they did like they could do a great slapstick story, but would they get as much respect if they did? Seems doubtful. Seems doubtful. Um, so yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying here. Um, and the movie feels very unique, mm-hmm. right? I can't think of anything else that I've seen that's like it, <laughs> because it is this like absurd, cartoony, slapstick stuff. But it's combined with the the spot on kind of like '40s musical uh, story arc. So um, I was really impressed. I wasn't sure what to think going in, but uh, I, I was pretty happy. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. One day we will disagree on a movie. <laughs> And it'll resort to blows, but... Someday soon. <laughs> I believe Godzilla with Matthew Broderick's on that list. Uh, you know, it's a whole other thing. I like that movie. I'll get into it with people, but... Uh... <laughs> we shall see. All right. Uh, okay, so, uh, Castle Dance. Good movie. Highly recommended. Yep, go see it. All right, what's our next movie? It's on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. Um, the next movie we've got on the list is Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, okay. Long Kiss Goodnight, which I think is another... Now, I may be wrong on this. I didn't do any research, but I think it's another Rennie Harlan movie who did Deep Blue Sea, but I could be wrong. 
So don't quote me on that internet. Huh. Um, uh, it, I think he did this, and I think, again, this is off the top of my head, I could have done some research, so well, these could all be wrong. I think he did this, and he did Cutthroat Island with Gina Davis, who, who he's married to, if I'm right. Um, and his idea was to kind of, Gina Davis wanted to do some, make, kind of want to do an action, make a, a solid female mainstream action hero. And so I've never seen Cutthroat Island. I've kind of wanted to see it because I really like Long Kiss, Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, but I've never seen it. Uh, pirate movies were pretty much, until Pirate, Pirates of the Caribbean came along, they were death in Hollywood. <laughs> they were death in Hollywood. There was like literally, now that everyone's talking about how like famous you know Pirates was, but at Pirates of the Caribbean, like the studios were like, this is going to suck. It's going to destroy. Like It's going to bomb because it's Pirates. We have not had a successful Pirate movie in like 25 years. And it's based on a friggin' ride. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, well, this is the problem with Hollywood. Yes. It's, it's kind of like the... Um, they won't employ, policy, they right? won't employ cats to dance for us? <laughs> what were you saying? The uh, what? Uh, it's like the roulette fallacy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, black hasn't hit the last five times. <laughs> Let's stop doing... Stop betting on black. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a fallacy. That's just science, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's the other way on roulette, right? Black would be due. <laughs> that's right, it's due. <laughs> but in Hollywood, that just means that you don't do those things anymore. Well, you know, and that's a whole. I mean, not to get into the whole issue, but it's like um, I'm I'm reading this book now, uh, and it's talking about like feminism in Hollywood. And one of the things it said was like, it's true if like a movie comes out and it has women in it and it does well, it's a fluke. Yeah. If it does, it has women in it, it does badly, oh, well, nobody wants to see that. Right. <laughs> so If it's the narrative. You, you create the narrative yourself, and it's uh, it's really interesting to see that. Uh, uh, not to get too deep into that stuff, but, but I, so I think I think Long Kick at Night is, is a good example. Now, it's very, Long Kick is, Kiss at Night, not to get too much, it's a preview, but it's a very exaggerated movie. It's almost more exaggerated than Cats Don't Dance, if you think about it. There's some stuff in that movie. Oh, sure. That, but... It's not more exaggerated than a lot of the action stuff at that time. It's like uh, James Bond movie. Right, right. So this will be exciting. I'm excited. I've been a long time since I've seen it, but I know I liked it when I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) It's good stuff. Yes. (laughs) You guys are in for a treat next week. All right. So uh, I guess we're signing off. Do we we have to sign off? I forget. Uh, He's Lee. He's Scott. And we saved the movie. That's right. Leaves you kind of speechless, don't it?